Hello, listeners. Welcome to Freelance Friday with Vay Casey. It's a podcast all about freelancing through the opinions and experience of freelancers. And today on the show, we've got Chad Michael. He is this badass designer here out of Dallas, Texas, that uh, Jonathan Schubert recommended I bring on. And so we have him here today, and it's cool. He's one of the first few um, people for me to have on the show that I didn't previously know before them coming on the show. Because uh, for the last year or two, it's been just a lot of friends, and I'm starting to get other referrals. And it's kind of cool to see that happen. And uh, I don't know, it's fun to meet people that way, you know? Um, thanks for coming on today, dude. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. It's good to be here. Good to be on. Yeah, dude. Uh, so uh, why don't you tell us about yourself a little bit, man? I want to kind of hear your story. Yeah, some, um, some. I guess let's brief background. Um, started out, uh, went to UNT here in Denton. Graduated school right after that. Uh, well, I graduated with a degree in uh, communication design, so very heavy graphic design centric. Then I moved to um, New York, worked at a variety of different agencies, uh, some small ones to start out, and then I transferred to some larger ones. I uh, worked at a, um, Pearl Fisher and Landor and a company called Stranger and Stranger, which is where I picked up the, like, the package design bug, specifically the package design bug for liquor, spirits, wine, beverage, everything in that category. And then I kind of I worked there for a couple years, and I went out on my own I, in New York and just kind of wanted to see what else was out there. And uh, then I became a freelance uh, creative director for Landor, which was, I think I was the first one to ever do that. So I was a creative director who just like pop in like weekly and just kind of point fingers and, you know, pitch concepts and meet with some people of different liquor companies. And it was all like after I had gone freelance, it was all liquor. It was all the love of the liquor. So everywhere that I had worked, it was some to some degree has to deal with beverages. And then... um that's it, man. I, I did my stint at Landor and then I was like, okay, well, I'm tired of working for other people. I'm tired of pitching concepts that continuously don't go anywhere. Like I, cause I have a tendency to be overly like passionate about things. And so when I'm in a project, I'm a hundred percent all in it, like blood and sweat until I get, I squeeze every like gym out of it. That's possible. And then, uh, you know, I, I was tired of doing all that and pitching these projects. And then They'd be like, ah, we like to, we, it was good to see it. Good job. We're going to put it in a table and you're never going to see it again. So, uh, started my own, um, kind of studio and started in a little 500 square foot, foot, um, apartment in Long Island city where I lived. It was my last day in New York and just started doing slowly taking on clients and slowly building the reputation of being in the liquor game. And, um, about a year of running it in New York, I came back and, worked it out of Texas and it's been open for six years now. So now luckily I'm able to work with the, the small startups and the big guys. And, um, it's been really rewarding, which is actually like have stuff pitch it and know that it's going to go somewhere and know that it'll be out there on the shelf somewhere. You know, it's exciting. So that's it. <laughs> that's <laughs> crazy, right. yeah. man. It sounds like you, it, it sounds like you had a lot of direction and like knew kind of what you wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like buckled down and it was just like, this is the direction that I'm going. Yeah. Um, I figured out, um, I didn't know packaging per se was what I wanted to do until I worked at a couple of those agencies. And then I realized that the tangible, the thing I loved most was seeing it come to life and seeing the three dimensional thing, like printed in all its beauty with all the embossing and the, the, you know, righteous paper stocks and the varnishing. I, I loved that part the most. So packaging is where I geared it and 
I can't tell you why alcohol specifically, but I mean, it's, I get a lot of free samples. So that's always a plus. I, mean, I should have brought you I mean, next time. I'll bring you some stuff. But, he brought me this cool deck of cards. Yeah. So we've been branching out past the spirits. So now I kind of consider my studio like a designer of indulgence. So all products of okay. indulgence. So like gambling and um, I did some cigars recently. So tobacco, trying to get in the cannabis game, but it's been very hard for a client to follow through for some reason. <laughs> I think it's because it's very early. Um, and so like a lot of people don't have like, I don't know, this, a strong backing to like throw into like a studio for designing. Right. So um, yeah, so the tangible aspect is what drove me to package design. So I figured that out and I just kind of kept going with it, kept running with it. So did you have like a, any kind of interest in design or anything like that as a child or art or any... Yeah, I was definitely, you know, I think you hear this story a lot with other designers as they start out being art kids. And that was that was exactly what I was uh, drawing throughout childhood. And then in high school, uh, kind of got into all f- different forms of media, like, I don't know, like sculpture and play, like anything. I had no idea, of course, as most people don't really even realize that graphic design was even an option. Like you don't most people walk walk into stores and don't realize like, Oh, people design all these things. They just kind of buy and they leave. And I didn't realize it was an option till I got to college. And I was like, Oh, graphic design is a thing I can actually do and make money on. And people will pay me to do this stuff. Um, but in high school it was, it was anything. It was like, I, I would go to scrapyards and like make weird sculptures with abstract meanings, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then it wasn't until my second year, of college where someone was like, you know what you doing all this, you might enjoy the graphic design program. And I was like, okay. And so luckily enough, UNT apparently has this or well does have, has this exceptional graphic design program. Um, and, uh, I was able to get in and, um, graduate and move on and, you know, move to New York and kind of all happened very slowly, but it was good. What, uh, I mean, whenever you went into college, mm-hmm. You said it was until a couple of years in that you started to kind of lean that direction or start pivoting towards design. What yeah. were you, what was your initial plan after high school to go into college? I what was were, what are you around. thinking? You just like, I'm going to college. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. I was floating around. I, I enjoy copywriting a lot. And I actually, a lot of that falls into the stuff I do now. I do all the copywriting and slogans and brand, everything that you see on the front of a package line in my work is I've wrote the copy for. So that's what I originally went to school for. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take some painting classes. I'll take some media classes and I'll take some writing classes and see what flushes out. And I'm like two years in, I was like, I don't fucking know what I'm doing yet. So, <laughs> so I like, I was kept messing around and like going down these different paths. And at even one point I went into a classroom because they were having this like, okay, let's be, I'm going to become a teacher. And so I was like, I don't know what I do. I guess I'll become a teacher. And so I sat in this room and they were giving us the intro to becoming uh, a faculty teacher and like getting a degree in that. And I was like, this, I walked out because I was like, this is halfway through. I was like, this is not what I want to do. And then so luckily, I think it was like a couple weeks later, I was meeting with an advisor and they had mentioned the graphic design program. And then okay. that's when I was like, okay, let's do this. Oh, so it was the advisor that mentioned that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And no one had brought it up before. And I never really thought that it was a thing, you know? I guess that means a good advisor doing yeah, their job, they did their right? Job. Like they advised well. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool to cool. hear. Yeah. My, my experience with college was not so much that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I have kind of had a bad taste in my mouth in regards to college yeah. a lot. And really it's taken having a lot of these conversations with people and noticing, man, a lot of these people that I talk to, 
that are really great designers or photographers or whatever mm-hmm. did go to school. Yeah. And when I talked to them, they're all like, yeah, I'd probably go back and do it again. And I'm like, man, maybe it's not so bad. And yeah. I just had some bad experiences. Yeah. You know? And especially to hear you, uh, I don't know. It's kind of cool to see a new light on it, you know? Right. It's true. Um, I mean, you know, it was kind of luck in a little, in a way, like who knows if I wouldn't have walked in and like had another advisor meeting and they wouldn't have said that. I don't know. I could be a teacher or doing something completely different. Yeah. Um, who knows? So, I mean, I think part of it is luck and figuring out just, you're, it's just lucky enough to figure out, find something that you love doing. That's a, a rare. Um, I mean, a lot of people graduate college degrees and have a degree that they never use. Right. So, um, I mean, I know plenty of people, even in my graphic design program, who graduated with the same degree I graduated with, but don't do anything close to that. So just went off a totally different direction. So why do you think that is? Uh, I mean, so I think some people just aren't as really, in love with it yeah. as others are. Um, and it, you know, it, it's just, it's not for everybody. Most, a lot like most careers. Um, I, I think it takes, in order to be successful, probably at anything, I guess you have to be very, very passionate about it. Like probably too overly passionate, which I've had clients describe me as quote unquote overly passionate, <laughs> which is not a good thing sometimes, but it's also, it's like a, it can be, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Um, so, I mean, I, who knows, really? Who knows why it flushes out that way? You know, some people get bored of it. Some people don't. You know. Do you ever, uh, I mean, since since you made the decision, I'm going to go do design stuff or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, one of these along these, as you made these decisions, did you ever have times where you were kind of second guessing yourself or going, oh, maybe I go this way or maybe I do this or maybe I do like a few different things? Yeah. I mean, uh, I do that now still. Like I, I don't ever second guess maybe early on. I don't know. I think design, I, I've always wanted to do some form of design once I've discovered it. Um, but over the past couple of years, I've been wanting, I've been thinking, Hey, I don't want to just do this forever. Like I want to do a form of this and maybe continue to do this, but maybe on the side, do other things like open up different businesses. Maybe they have nothing to do with graphic design or like write a book or do something nuts, you know, like start a liquor company or what. So we have all these little like ideas. And um, so uh, I'll never drop design. I'll never say, ah, that was a fun period and let's table that and let's move on to something else. Um, If anything, uh, we have plans next year. And when I say we, I mean like my fiance and I, we've been together for like 12 or 13 years for a very long time. So when I say we, I'm talking about me and her kind of make these decisions and yeah, kind of like okay. figure out what companies and like what's what's yeah. going on in life. So next year, um, I've been on the table for the, about this for like four or five years, but I'm going to start to grow the studio. So I'll, I'll hire another set of hands because I've been turning away a lot of stuff and um, I don't want to do that anymore. So uh, it'd be nice to um, take on everything. Well, not everything, but things that. Uh, that resonate with me. Right. Just to be Um, able to hire volume. Yeah. So if you, if you, or if, when, when you hire somebody on, Mm -hmm. what, what's your first move? Uh, Retainer clients. No, I mean, as far as like a hire, like what do you, what do you, like what kind of person are you looking to hire? Why, why is that the person that you're choosing to go with? So I think right now, the thing that I'm struggling to catch up on are the deliverables for, for projects I've already completed. So I have all the, so for example, I have these distilleries and breweries that I've done the initial like package design and branding for, but then they continue to come back to me for like, oh, well, we need, you know, coasters and shirts and we have a new label we're coming out with. So we need an extension. It's just like a lot of little things add up that an intern or uh, a junior or uh, freshman level designer, someone who could just come in a couple of days a week and tackle those items where branding and 
all the design assets already exist, that'd be really beneficial. And then they're more or less just translating them to different yeah. sizes yeah. Or, or whatever. And, and you proof them along yeah. the way and give yeah. them feedback. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And they're paid and, right. you know, and as, and I know how important this is like, cause when I do bring on an intern that they get at least one or two projects of their own from scratch, because the reason why these interns want to take on these jobs sometimes is to get work for their portfolio to move on to larger agencies and down the road. So they want to build their portfolio up. And I know that that's what I wanted to do. Um, put new stuff in your book. So when you go to bigger places, you know, you make more money, you get a better, I don't know, it's a stepping stone. And so, you know, hope, you know, I'll pitch them a couple projects and we'll work on it together, but then they'll have like creative majority in it. Um, so they can call it their own, you know, it'll be, it's a, a nice thing to give to someone who's just starting out. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 That's cool. Cause, uh, part of the reason I ask is it's cool to like, talk to somebody that's right in that process of like, okay, I've identified this. This is something I'm going to do. And especially like, I mean, obviously I haven't known you, but like 20 or 30 minutes, but yeah. you seem very like, we're long time friends. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you seem very intentional. You seem very, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm like that a lot, but I have yet to be able to really let go enough and to to allow myself to hire people mm, mm -hmm. really more it's a scary yeah. part yeah and knowing like what would I have them do right what would you know and so it's kind of cool to be able to hear you in that moment and be like oh yep this is what I'm going to do yeah. this is what I need I've been able to identify this thing this is kind of the process yeah. of like how this would work out I mean it took me a while to figure out I mean years ago I would probably I didn't know what if I hired on like what they would really do you know like but now I know for sure like because there's an overflow now. What's happening is the clients over the past four or five years are piling up. Stuff I've already done, they want little things done, which is awesome. But oftentimes it'd be like, oh, I don't have the time to do this one little thing. So for someone else to be able to take that on is now I know that like that would be super beneficial. And so now like I, at least I have something immediately that they can do. Um, so that so that would be tremendous. And then, you know, it's just a whole like plan thing. I don't think I figured out until like it was like, I don't know, six months ago to now. Like, OK, well, then I'll take, you know, those and I'll make them retainer clients and I'll take that because the retainer is like a monthly like uh, fee that clients pay just to just do whatever you want um, for a month. You know, it's like a month to month basis or whatever. They pay you X amount of dollars and that in itself pays for, you know, the intern, it pays for the mortgage of the building if there is a building or whatever it may be. So, um, I think, yeah, yeah, I got, <laughs> I got away from myself. <laughs> no, that's great, man. Yeah, 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 so. Thanks for, thanks for sharing. I, I really enjoy being able to kind of hear that process play out a little bit for you. Yeah. Kind of where your head's at. Uh, so whenever you, I'm, uh, let's go back a little bit to whenever yeah. you talked about that you made the decision to go package design. Yeah. Uh, first, I think it's, it's interesting to see how the packaging stuff you do, mm -hmm. there's a lot of texture to it. Mm -hmm. There's stuff where you can, it, it kind of, uh, plays on the senses of feel. Yeah. And that you mentioned that you did some sculpting stuff when uh -huh. you were younger. Yeah. And so it's almost like this, like a digital sculpting. I never even thought about it like that, but yeah, it's very tactile. Yeah. It yeah. It's yeah. like, it's like a little, I mean, yeah, it's like a little sculpture, you know, even though it's like a box of playing cards or a bottle. Yeah. And like, it's I always think about it as like, I don't know if this sounds pretentious or not. I don't think it is. But like when I get final bottles from a project like into the studio and it's been like, I've been working on it for six months 
it's been at the printers and the manufacturers for three months. It takes a long time to get that final bottle like back into your hands. Um, it's like a little trophy. It's like an yeah, award yeah. in itself, you know? So that's like, it's just cool. I mean, some of the stuff I've done, I only have like one bottle of that thing. And cause there were such small runs or, you know, the client did it and then, you know, stop doing it. Yeah. Do you keep everything you have, you've done? Do you keep one of everything you've yeah. done pretty much? I have at least one of everything. Um, I've given out, so I, I had, went through a period where I was giving a lot of shit away and then my fiance was like, stop doing that. I'm glad she stopped me from doing that. I'm a very like, uh, generous person. I'm like, Hey, you want it? Just take it, you know? So, yeah. uh, which is, which is cool. And that's fun. It's always nice to like, be like, Oh, people are like, Oh, I can have this. I'm like, yeah, you have it. Take it. Um, but she stopped me from doing that because I, I, there are some things I only have like one of now and they don't make it anymore. So like I did this thing for gentleman Jack, uh, like two years ago and it was like a special limited edition. It's called gentleman Jack's timepiece. And they only made like a thousand bottles. So I only have like one or two left. And so I'm glad I stopped giving those away because <laughs> I, I didn't know how rare they were until they would stop making them. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I see, I could see that taking up a lot of space eventually. It does. Yeah. I mean, it takes up a whole wall. Um, I have a whole bookshelf filled and it has eight shelves on each side. So, um, I mean, the goal is to next year is to find a bigger space and, uh, kind of have, a larger area to display right now. It's crowding a lot. I work from home, so it's crowding a lot of space, I think. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. We even made like a, our own little secret room for it. So like in my, the first thing we did, when we bought the house is we renovated the office. It was just a room. And so we, we paneled it and I made it like the way I wanted it to. Cause I'd be working there all the time. So I want to be comfortable in my own space. Like I want to feel excited to go into that room. And then within that room, you walk past that room and you push a bookshelf and there's another room, which uh, is just uh, just a room with like a, it's really ridiculous actually. It's got like a chandelier in it. It's very small. It's like the size of this room. It's like an eight by eight or something. It's got a <laughs> chandelier. It's got a bookshelf. It's got like a bar. Um, I put a lot of love into it over the past three years. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a. Uh, yeah, but you have a legit hidden room. Yeah, it's a hidden room. That's where I keep my shit. I probably even should tell people that, but I, I we did just childhood to dreams house, so. come true, man. I know. So I think in every every house we move to, uh, I'd like to put some type of secret room in it. I think it does have a tendency to like weird people out in a weird way. Um, I had a to just to do a short story. I had someone come into my house, uh, CPA, to like look at my books, and I've never met her before. I was just like, hey, come check out my QuickBooks and make sure like I'm actually doing this shit right. Because I do all my own accounting, which in itself took a long time to figure out. Yeah. And so she comes to the house and she comes to my back office and she runs through the numbers and um, she's like, okay, yeah, we're all good. All right, I'll see you later. And I'm like, hey, before you go. And I opened up this bookshelf and I didn't turn any lights on in there. I, I, I'm not thinking. I'm like, hey, come check out this back room. And she's like, no, I'm okay. <laughs> she, like, she kind of leaves. And then later I, I, th- I thought it was strange how she left. And then she didn't even give me a chance to turn any lights on or anything. And then uh, <laughs> Amanda, my, my fiance comes home. She's like, I tell her the story. She's like, yeah, she left because you thought she thought you were going to murder her or something. I was like, oh, oh, it makes sense now. She was frightened. <laughs> so, You're like, gosh, I didn't even. Yeah. Thought didn't even think about that. Yeah. It was like, like come, oh, come in this dark room that's secretly hidden away. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a it's a nice thing to like after uh, working all day, just like go in there and like hang out for a minute. Mm-hmm. So. How do you like working at home? Man? Have you ever? Because uh, I know some, for some people it's great and they, yeah. they love it, and other people it just doesn't work for. Right. 
Um, I got used to it. I, so I, I know both sides of that coin. When I first started out, I, I, I was always very used. I am very used to being around people. Um, I have like a, what I call like a social meter. So if I, um, if I don't see people beside from my fiance for a couple, like a week or two, like in a social gathering, like I'll get like kind of depressed. And so that was happening when I first went freelance. I was like, I was home all day. I wasn't seeing anybody. And that happened for like weeks, you know? And then uh, eventually like it, I got over it and subsided. Um, and now I'm very used to working by myself. I actually prefer it. So I've gone the opposite way of like having anxiety and like being depressed about it to really enjoying it, the peace and the quiet and the complete lack of noise. So. What what happened that changed? Do you think? Did uh, you just start seeing I, stuff differently? I don't or know. I think I just got used to it. I I don't know. Uh, it could have been. Uh, we moved out of that 500 square foot apartment I was telling you about, and we got like a little larger of a space. Okay. Because we moved back to Texas, that could have been it. And just having more room to spread out. Yeah, I think. Um, I don't know. I think I just got used to it. I mean, Whenever you were in your old place, was it a, a 500 square foot place in New York? Was it just like one room basically? Yeah. Is your place now, or is it separated? Oh, off? it's a house. It, well, we live in a house now. Oh, so, so you actually have a separate like. Yeah, so it's a separate uh, I like. Bet uh, you that plays into it. So you go, yeah, that does help a lot. Because that wasn't our first place. We lived in the, you know, the Adam Hatz building. In yeah, 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 yeah. We lived there for a little while. Okay. So I think that might have helped too, because there's so much. There were so many people around that area that I think that helped. I could look outside and be like, ah, people. Yeah. Better. <laughs> well, so. I wonder because I, I, so I used to. Uh, have my desk and my bed in the same room. Mm -hmm. I have a loft. It's got a couple of story, like an upstairs and a basement. Mm. And I kept everything upstairs and like, I'd wake up in the morning and the first thing I saw was my desk. I'd sit down to like meditate and pray. And I was yeah. like staring at my desk. And so I could not think about work. Yeah. And I was like, I have got to have a separate space. And so just moving like my desk downstairs yeah. or offsite somewhere else. Yeah. And I'm like wondering if maybe, like, I'm just curious if, like, it'd be interesting to see, like, I wonder how much that plays into. Yeah. I mean, I think definitely getting it out of your bedroom was a big thing. Maybe that's probably part of it is when you wake up and then walk five feet to your, where you're working all day, that's rough. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, I can so get away now, from this. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta break away. So I love it, but I oh my God. Down a hallway and there's like at least a 20, 30 foot separation or whatever it is. Um, but where the whole goal for next year is I, I'm. Um, we're taking it out of the house and I don't, you know, so I've never had a separation in like six or seven years from work and home. So I'm very excited about being able to like get off work for wherever we decide to set up shop and then coming home and it actually being like a complete like severance of like, like I'm work. done. Yeah. Have you, uh, so before you got into doing this kind of stuff professionally, mm -hmm. did you do it as a hobby? Designing mm -hmm. or anything like no. that? No, okay. no, just like, just like, you know, painting and drawing and stuff. Um, that was, that was the only things that I had done. And then I, and then once I discovered graphic design, I discovered typography and then kind of started pulling the illustrative and the typography together. And then it just kind of all like intermingles. Um, but no design before it's college. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just, just, I'm just like sitting here and I'm trying to like I'm thinking about like your story compared to like so many of the other ones that I've I've heard and like I've talked about like yeah. you know, being like we're pattern recognition machines yeah. and I'm like okay what are the patterns what are the yeah. like and, I know, it's, and, it's like, and I'm like oh well you didn't you didn't uh, it wasn't so much a hobby for you and so it's like from the get go it's like oh this is work hmm. 
Whereas like with me, what I've found is I've had a hard time because I have, I've made all of my hobbies into my professions. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I mean, it, that's what, it, yes, it is. Yeah. But then it also gets to where, uh, when I'm done working, I don't want to do my hobby quote anymore. Cause now it's work, which is great. But right. now I need new hobbies. Oh, I see. Because yeah. my hobbies aren't hobbies anymore. They're um, work. Yeah. Well, I mean, I still associate, I, I never think of my job as work in the, like the sense of it, it normally is associated with like, I, it's I, not like a huge burden. Like, no, no, I mean, it's, it's stressful because you, you're to a certain degree because you're managing, you're like running, you're like, I don't know, looking after 15 different clients and all these projects. Yeah. But I always really enjoy it, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, it is definitely, it can't be considered a hobby, I guess, but there's a lot of like love. I don't do it for um, like money or anything. Like, I, I mean, I do it for money, but, right, but, right. but I don't do it. You know what I mean? Like I take on some things like for a, for a little, just cause I'm like, Oh, this sounds awesome. And I want to produce something because this company is cool, you know? So, I mean, there is a, there's a lot of love and stuff that goes into it. So, uh, yeah, I found it, uh, when I knew it could be a job. So that was nice. Uh, I don't, I've never met a designer who designed before going to school for it. Is that, how some of them, somebody is like uh, said that they've designed before. I mean, uh, yeah, I, th- I would, I could see that happening. I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess I haven't really thought about it. I'm trying to think of like all they were the doing, people. they were trying to do freelance jobs and stuff and little logos or something. And when I think about it, I feel like all the designers that I know that are doing it did go to school for it. Yeah. I, I do some, I do some design stuff. Uh-huh. I didn't go to school for it. Right. And I did do it for fun before. Yeah. Okay. But it's also not like what I do. Yeah. Um, and I definitely see I'm starting to be able to see a difference in quality and just like another like a higher level up on from the, the work I feel like from people that I do see um coming through educated uh-huh. like education systems. Yeah. And I think part of that is just because of the theory background that they get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think about that in comparison to like me growing up taking piano lessons and learning music theory. Yeah. And just like, it gives you a good foundation to kind of play off of. Yeah. And a good set of like checks and balances, I guess. It's I feel really, like it's, maybe it's true. Yeah. They give you a lot of tools to like, I mean the basic tools, I mean, there's so much stuff and I always tell, cause I get a lot of s- student emails and stuff and I always make sure to answer those because if, if it were me, I, I mean, a lot of people answered my emails when I was in college. So I always make sure to get back to people eventually that are reaching out and asking questions about, you know, what's it like after school. But when you're in school, they teach you the basics like, you know, color theory where, you know, I don't know how colors work with certain colors. And they teach you typography, which was my, one of my most beneficial classes, um, making on your own typefaces, combining typefaces to make a new typeface. And so all that stuff I would have never known on my own. Um, I mean, yeah, you can read a bunch of books, but I'm more of a, most designers are tactile. They're like visual learners. So you like, they need to be in class and, um, see it and then bring work in and have it critiqued and then know what's wrong with it. Like in person. Um, I think it, yeah, it gives you a lot of the tools and then moving on past college, like in a professional world at an actual design agency, they give you like hard, like the, a better, they craft that skill set. Yeah. I guess. Um, I always tell students like, cause I've done some talks at schools and stuff and they're like, Hey, well, I'm thinking about freelance, like right out of right when I'm done with school. I'm like, Oh, maybe you should 
wait and at least work at a few couple of professional places before jumping out on your own after school. Cause there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff they don't teach you in school. What kind of, so what, uh, what kind of stuff? Well, I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, there's a, in school, there's a, there's a, there's a lack of pressure in terms of, well, in school you have like three months to do like a project. I mean, the school I went to, I can only speak to how, and which is great because you're crafting, you're branding and developing one case study, one brand, you're doing one company project for like over three months. And in the real world, um, it's a lot shorter than that. Sometimes it's a week, you know, to brand a full company and you're doing a lot of different things at one time. You're doing a lot of different projects. So you learn how to shit or get off the pot, so to speak. And like, yeah. kind of put them, push them fire, put some fire under it, I guess, and really learn how to work in a real world setting. Um, another thing I really benefited from was, uh, client interaction. So pitching my work, um, putting presentations together, learning how to speak to clients in a meeting in a professional like setting. That's something I don't teach you in school. Um, so you gotta like, I mean, I, I found that extremely beneficial, um, to like kind of try to just brush off the nerves and, um, present your work in a really eloquent way to where the person that the client that's sitting there in front of you will buy it. Essentially will be like, yeah, this is awesome. Let's yeah. move forward with it. Um, what else? I don't know, man. It's just, I, I just felt like it was super, you just learn a lot of tricks, a lot of tricks and things like that, that they don't teach in school. And every, every design, every agency is different. They all work differently. They all have different tricks. Um, they all work a different way. Every creative director teaches you differently. So, I mean, I always like, I always suggest working at a few different places. If you're going to like, if a student's going to jump out and freelance, wait, maybe work at two or three different agencies before you do that. Yeah. Um, just getting a lot of knowledge. I mean, I did. So it's really beneficial. Yeah. What moved you then to, um, to start going into freelance whenever you were doing the agency stuff? What was the point that you started making that transition? It was the, the I had had a lot of ideas get killed. So like it would be like I'd be working at an agency and I would be like, oh, we're developing this new bourbon. We want to see a new concept. And so like I'd pitch a concept and, you know, I fucking pour my heart into it. And I would really because I really want it to live. Right. I, I pitch it and I'm like, this is going to make it. I'm going to see it on the shelf. Um, and then they take it from me and then they present it. I don't get to present it. Um, the, the a couple of the agencies I worked at, I didn't do any presenting. I didn't do that until like after like till the very end. So I was that like uh, freelance creative director I was telling you about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, they take it and uh, I would, I'd, you know, wait anxious, anxiously. And then two days later they come back and be like, ah, they didn't go with it. It's like, man, I know I could like, I, I, I don't know why. And I, you know, like you don't, there's a lot of information like that you don't get. Um, and so uh, I was just kind of over the um, pouring my heart into something and then it not being picked. So with my own studio, I'm able to control what clients I take on. I'm able to vet them before um, I actually book them and then know that there is uh, uh, like a very high, almost 100% chance that the work that I do will be seen in the real world. So I think out of the six years that I've been working, there's been three or four projects that haven't ever been, haven't ever seen the light of day, but the other 90% have made it. So, um, I'm able to control that a lot more, which I, is great. So then, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That, I mean, especially cause I could see how there would be a way that you 
as the person developing the concept would want to pitch it or talk about yeah. your concept that someone else is not going to grasp or understand or really be able exactly. to convey the story kind of with that. Right. Uh, so then whenever you kind of got to that point, what did, what did you do to make it, to be able to make the transition? What was your kind of like course of action? Yeah. Um, I had two, I had, so I had done like some tiny little like projects for, uh, on the side while I was working for a studio. So I had like the comfort of maybe one or two clients, um, knowing that if I did jump ship, I would, uh, I at least have some form of income right away. Now I, it it was a big, it was scary because I, I was like, okay, I'm, I don't want to work for agencies anymore. Bye. Um, I'm going to start my own thing by myself in this little tiny apartment. Um, and so I started with the one client and luckily it did progress and people continued to come in. Um, now, uh, a lot of that is because the way I handled, I think it's, yeah, it's definitely the way I promoted myself in the beginning. Um, and so that's why when I'm like talking to students and stuff, I always tell them the, um, the power of self-promotion because that stuff is, it got it like, so it's super beneficial to starting out a career. So when I first started out my own little studio and jump ship, I only had a few clients and I was like, okay, I do want to do liquor. I do want to do package design. I do need studio branding. So I had some money in savings and I did these ridiculous business cards that were ridiculously ornate. And they were uh, gold foil embossed, blah, blah, blah. And I, I printed them, I photographed them, I sent them out to people. And then luckily, um, the photos caught traction. And they were like, they were featured in Communication Arts and Print Magazine. They did this article about them. And then things started gaining a little momentum. And then I released a self-promotional spirit. So it was just like a, I shelled out the cash to buy these little bottles I made a, a letterpress printed label and print, I made a label, a whiskey label and printed it via letterpress and sent it out to a bunch of people. And then that caught traction as well. And that gave me the fuel, like the self-promotion stuff gave me the fuel to like, I don't know, for people to start coming in and like finding me on the web through like articles and shit. So it was really, that was, if I wouldn't have done that, I don't know if it ever would have caught steam. Yeah. It's really smart, man. It was, it was a good call. I, I was scared. And the part of the reason why I even did it was just because I wanted to make something. Um, but the other part was because I, I wanted to definitely do that packaging. So, yeah. So you show it. Uh, but so, oh. so you show it. But yeah. in a way that's like not just a photo of, of a design, but actually the bottle. Yeah. The, the real thing is better than anything. I, I mean, people always, uh, and there's, no, there's nothing wrong with a 3D render. Okay. It's just there's a lot of people do 3D renders, um, and it just doesn't have the same effect as like a. Well, especially because your your work you know, is so tactile. You yeah, know? you can't like. Yeah. And while you or I might be able to look at it and tell and have an idea of this is what that might feel like, even you know just from looking at it, most people aren't gonna look at that. It's true. And be like, oh, that's got some cool raised gold. That'll, that'll, that'll feel nice under <laughs> yeah, your finger, yeah. you know, running a fingernail yeah. over it or whatever. It's true. I, I forget sometimes the lack of <laughs> that. Like I'll say, I'll be like, did you feel it? Or, you know, like, I guess, yeah, it's cool. I felt yeah. it felt good. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it feels solid. It's, yeah. you know, it's not sliding off the bottle or yeah, anything or yeah. whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always get overly excited about stuff. Like, it's like, I'll, uh, when I pitch a design and when it gets near final, like I'll prep it for art. So I'll prep the area. I'll, Prep it for the printer and pick out paper stocks and foils and which areas are have different printing techniques. Um, and then I'll 
tell, I'll have a phone call with the client, be like, yeah, this area is going to be embossed and this is going to have this foil on it. And it's going to have a little spot burner. So it looks a little wet. And they're like, yeah, cool, whatever. Just fucking print it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. So. Uh, whenever, so whenever you started sending these bottles out to people, mm-hmm. how did you, how many did you send out and how did you determine who you were sending them to? So when I first started out, I I was doing actual freelance work to where I was actually wanting to get work from other agencies because I wasn't at a point where I could, where I was, where I could stop the freelance process and only work directly with the client. So I sent a lot of the bottles to like creative directors of different design studios and agencies in New York. And um, so that way they could be like, Hey, we have a project for you. We're going to send you a brief. We're going to pay you to uh, do a concept and send it back to us. And so I printed 300 labels. I only sent out 100, and I still have like 200 labels at home. <laughs> it was much more expensive than I thought it was going to be um, because you factor in the letterpress printing, which was costly, and then ordering all the bot- 300 little bottles and then shipping each bottle out. It was like $12 a bottle, and it was like way too much for me to stomach at that time. Yeah. Um, so I sent out 100, and people put them on their desk and like never open them. Good thing because they're like, I, I'm not a distillery. I didn't put real alcohol in them. I just put water in them or, <laughs> or at the very most I'd buy Everclear from the store. And I would like fill them up with like real shit alcohol, you know, just so at least there was something in there. Right. Inside right. To crack it open. Um, I was wondering. Yeah. Was yeah. Like, how did he, what was his method? Yeah. So, so, well, some of the balls I just put on the bottom, I just put like water, don't drink or something like that. Cause even water, if you let it sit in the bottle long enough, gets gross. Uh-huh. Um, like it's like you, all the particles and stuff build, like settle at the bottom. Um, it's weird. So um, yeah, there's a do not drink um, warning on some, most of those. Uh, but anyways, it went over really well, and uh, it's still yeah, it's still up on the site. It's like one of my earliest projects that's still there. Um, that's it's yeah, it's a big love project of mine. No. That's very clever, man. Yeah. Very good. smart. And I, I had this whole thing where I was like, oh, I'm going to release a special self-promotional bottle every year. And like that didn't happen because <laughs> that's way too much time to like well, to do that. Yeah. So maybe, maybe when I bring on that extra. Yeah, there you I go. There you go. Ta- yeah. Tackling that again. You just have your interns or your employees work on the other designs. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I got to go work on this year's bottle. I'll be back. Yeah. I'm going to work on some real fun shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you work on these t-shirts. Uh, so once then when once you started like moving into your freelance and stuff and you're able to start doing it more, mm-hmm. what uh, where did you start seeing your clients come from? Where and and how how do you price stuff out? Like, what's your process for that yeah. kind of look like? Um, pricing's changed over the years. So, well, first let me get to the how I find clients. Instagram has been super beneficial to me. Um, I haven't had to actually aside from like social media and like blogs and um, award submissions to like liquor awards, packaging design competitions. Haven't had to do any advertising, which is great because Instagram has been doing it for me. So a lot of people find me, have been finding me through the, through the years through the internet somehow, whether it be like Behance or Instagram, those, those are really the only two. And so they come from all over. Like right now I have clients in France. I have four clients in Canada client Malta a bar, um, all over the U S um, and, uh, two in India. So it's really like, it's nuts. It's the time zones are crazy. Cause you have to like, I suck at math. So it's all, I'm always, sometimes I'm like off by an hour. I'm like, fuck, I missed that fucking phone call. Uh, 
<laughs> it actually happened today. I had a phone call with uh, somebody in Canada. I forget they're an hour ahead. And I was like, okay, 1130. Let's do 1130. I called her at 1130 and no answer. And it was 1130 her time, which was 1230 when I called her. Anyways. Oh, man. So, but I got her on the phone and it was like, she was fine. It's all good. That does get tricky, man, especially if you travel, if you travel much. Yeah. Like I remember I had my calendar on my phone and stuff where it would show uh, like times relative to the time zone I was in. Mm-hmm. And so if I was in central time, which is where I live mm-hmm. here in Dallas and, and, and put something on my calendar for 5 PM, if I go to California, it's going to say 3 PM on my calendar. Oh yeah. And then if I'm in California and I put something on my calendar, that's like, well, next week in Dallas, I need to have to be at like five o'clock at this thing. It would put it for seven o'clock, you know, right. stuff like that. And I was like, yeah. oh my gosh. Dude. When I, uh, I've always wanted to get, you know how you see in those, uh, I don't know, whatever they are, like nine, like a madman kind of thing where you have multiple clocks and they all yep, say yep, different, like yep. New York, Canada, and they all say different times. I'm going to have that. <laughs> Maybe like eight different clocks that have their time set to it. That'd be nice. Be like, oh, look, in France, it's whatever, 3 a.m. or whatever it may be. It's not a bad idea, man. Yeah. You pull good. up your phone, have like 10 different ones. Yeah. For all your, uh, for all your different clients or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Some uh, some physical clocks would be nice. I feel like I'd mess it up if it was on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some of those old uh, schoolhouse clocks you see from the fifties. Yeah, I have a lot of antiques at my house, so, so it would fit the vibe. fit the vibe. Yeah. So how do you with your international clients and stuff? Do mm-hmm. they speak English or is there translators or how do you deal uh, with that? Oddly enough, like they uh, well in Canada they sprint they speak French and English, and so but I've been lucky enough to they do speak English. So I haven't had anyone yet uh, that can't speak English. So they're they've had they've been bilingual or plus. Or okay. So. Yeah. So that's been nice. There sometimes there's like a little bit of a language barrier where they can't find the words or something. Um, but it, we all figure it out. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. What? So then, once somebody reaches out to you, what's your process like from there? Yeah. If someone reaches out to me. I I, I do this vetting thing, and it, it's hard. People have asked me this, like. Um, how do I know whether to move forward with the project or to not? And there are these red flags that I look for. Um, and I can't tell you really what they are. It's like a gut feeling. It's like <clears throat> when I get an email, <clears throat> when I get an email from somebody, I can kind of tell, um, how serious the job is, uh, based on the email. I don't know. Um, if they're too short, if they're one sentence, I mean, you definitely know it's probably not going to pan out and it's not a good project. Whereas you just get an email that says, um, we need pricing question mark. And then that's it. You know, it's like, okay, well this isn't, this doesn't feel like it's going to be substantial or like yeah. a legitimate job, <clears throat> but there are a lot of things I look for. And then I, 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 uh, say, okay, yeah, this sounds good. Let's set up a phone call. I always do phone call introductions um, I've never taken a job without speaking to somebody directly first. Cause there's a lot to be said about rapport between client and designer. Um, you know, it, it, you gotta, you gotta like work with another, there's gotta be a chemistry there. I feel like in order to produce something truly great. So, um, if I get on the phone with somebody and I feel like we're just not connecting and it's like not working out, um, then I'll just be like, ah, we've decided to pass on your project. Um, but if everything goes well, then, you know, I get the scope of work. Um, so for today, uh, I was mentioned that call. It was a winery on Canada. It was uh, for a rebrand, which I don't do rebrands very often, but I'm trying to be more open to them. 
Um, and there's a reason for that too. But uh, so it's for 12 SKUs, rebrand. So what I'll do is I'll, on Monday or next week, I'll send them a proposal that outlines the entire process, all the timelines for each, each deliverable. So it was like move board presentation, initial design presentation, and then when you can expect roughly the final arts to be ready and sent to the printer. Um, and that's it. They put a 50% deposit down and then to reserve whatever the dates are. And then we start. But that's out within the dates that's outlined in their agreement. Start. That's it. Yeah. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, man. It's kind of, I, I envy designers a little bit because the just the workflow is a little bit different than it is with video stuff which is what i i do primarily video stuff uh-huh. and i mean you can be very this is what it is you're gonna get this i'm mm-hmm. gonna do this thing it's gonna take this long and then this would be the dates for this and you'll get this and this whereas with the, some of the video stuff that i do it's just like there's no way to really dial it in that much sometimes or or to be like well here's this phase or here's this phase at least i haven't been able to figure it out how to um and so it's cool to be able to to see that uh because i've looked over a couple of those like briefs before Mm -hmm. or scope of works Mm -hmm. that uh designers will typically send down and kind of have stuff separated out a Mm -hmm. little bit more um also probably helps that your designers. <laughs> so you're good at like putting yeah. stuff like that. Breaking stuff down, bullet points. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, making it clear and legible. And don't get me wrong, though. Uh, it's not a exact science. I, I don't know if I've ever actually, at the where it says on the contract, you can expect final artwork by this date. I doubt I've ever actually hit that date. And because there are so many factors that go into like, oh, I internally and like internally i had too many like i it took me a while to get there like to yeah. the design that gave me that good gut feeling yeah so maybe i had to push it a couple weeks the printer takes a couple weeks longer i don't know there's maybe a the lot client of client took longer to get client back to you longer. on improving yeah. they're like oh we need a week for feedback you know yeah. i don't think i've ever had that date but i always try to hit the initial design delivery date um so if it's set for march 5th i try to get them the initial design at least by march 5th and everything else is just kind of the dates fall where they may so uh, it's just for fun d- outlining everything else like you can expect final artwork by April so it's just for peace of mind I guess for some yeah comfort. yeah at least you have some kind of this is what we're heading towards yeah. this, is, this is our goal like a ballpark yeah. mm-hmm. what in um, whenever it comes to like pricing stuff like how do you figure that out and you can yeah talk as much about it as you want some people talk numbers others don't I don't care yeah. don't feel pressure to yeah I, um, it's always kind of strange to talk exact numbers if we could use, even um, but, if there's a way to use hypotheticals or a way, kind of what yeah. I've, what I'd like to know is just to try to kind of understand what the process is like mm-hmm. of how you figure out what those numbers should be. So over the, and it's, uh, again, there's no like, I mean, obviously there's nothing out there that says like, this is the general, like, there's no, like, it's not like a housing market APR where like it's at 4.75% or whatever, like n- nationally. So it's not like that, you know, it's just like, uh, it, it's kind of, kind of make it up in a way, but you have to base it on like other design agencies that you feel like are in your category that you feel like are up to snuff with the work that you're doing. Um, and so I, I know somehow, um, through just through the, the two or three that I kind of like, feel like I'm in the league with, um, what their pricing is. 
But given that I am a sole proprietorship and people know I'm a only person, I don't have the overhead of 30 people. So I don't need to charge $100,000 for a fucking liquor label, right? So, um, you know, it, it's when I first started out, I think I was charging like, I don't know, like 500 bucks or a thousand bucks for like an entire brand or something. And now I don't obviously do that. Uh, so, you know, it's hard to say pricing. I mean, it depends on um, if, okay, so I'll give you, well, I'll give you ranges. Okay, <laughs> I don't okay. know how to do it without doing it. Um, so for like a single package design project. So this is for like, uh, you come to me and you say, hey, we got one whiskey. We only need one bottle, package design, and the branding. So that usually falls around like 8K to like 15K. And so it, it, that depends. The, the range is, I mean, that's a seven grain, seven yeah, grain yeah, yeah, yeah. gap. And that depends on a variety of things. Like after a discussion, the potential of complexity, like if they're like coming to me and like, look, man, we love your card decks. We want a fucking card deck label. That stuff takes a lot of time. So, you know, time is factored into it. Um, the, the, uh, the scale of the client is factored into it. If it's, Brown Foreman, who owns Jack Daniels and Southern Comfort and Crown Royal, all those large ass brands, obviously the number is going to be on the higher end than it is on the lower end. But if you're a smaller client, if you're a distillery and it's a passion project and you're just starting your brewery or whatever it is, the, the numbers are lower. Um, so I always try to help out and try to work with clients' budget um, and uh, kind of see where it lands. Um, but then things go up from there. If they have multiple SKUs, if they're like, hey, we have a whiskey, but then we're also going to do a rye and then we're going to do a cast strength and we want to have those done. And then there's uh, all the necessary deliverables that go into it, like shipper cartons, which are the boxes the spirits come in. Um, so like there's things like that. There's a lot of necessities that you'll need, like, you know, uh, closure design, which is the the actual cap on the bottle. Is there a design on that? Is there a neck strip? Does it come in a beautiful custom box? Is it a limited edition? Uh, how expensive is the item? If it's a whiskey that's $200, it's going to change the number I send to you. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah cool, it does. Because cool. it's, I mean, it's, everything it, factors into it. Yeah, there's a lot of different, a lot of different factors that come in. Yeah. Um, especially like you're talking about like if it's going to be a $200 bottle versus a three, a $30 bottle, yeah. like the value of that bottle and the value of the stuff that's going into that. And it's a lot different. Yeah. Um, and freedom of creativity kind of plays into it too. So if they've made it clear to me somehow, like, you know, and this happens a lot, I'm lucky to get a lot of from scratch projects. I have one client in particular that comes to me and says, and I've done this three times for them already. They come to me and say, and I love this client. It's the best. It's, it's the holy grail of clients because they come to you and say, we don't have a name. We don't have a brand story. We don't care what the design is. All we have is a product, and we want it in the shelf in a couple months. So I got to develop the brand name, the backstory, like what is this? Pro what does it mean? What is the story that this product's telling? Uh, and then the design. So there, uh, on my site, there's High Wild, there's Killinger, there's Honoranza. All three of those products were just brands that I would have created on my own, I guess, that I feel like fit a hole in the market that they're after. So it's the cool. high wild stuff is a coffee liqueur. So I look at all the coffee liqueurs and say, Hey, what's not being done? What's going to be totally different. And so, uh, I try to find a story that fills that gap. So for the high wild stuff, it's this, um, it has a very surreal, uh, scene on it. It's like ridiculous things are happening, you know, um, uh, there's floating trees, there's men in space. It's like, has a really weird surreal image on it. 
And so the whole story is it's coffee. It's wildly impossible. How they make their product is ridiculous. Um, it makes you feel surreal, makes you feel enlightened. I don't know. It's so kind of, it's just a story I got to develop. And I, that's, that's my most favorite is having a completely open from scratch. That's uh, the dream. That is the dream, yeah, man. Yeah. But yeah. it's like, how, what percentage of the work that you do? It does that? Is the, is how, like what percentage of, of the work that you like the clients you have are like dream clients? Um, well, <laughs> this is going to like piss a lot of people off, <laughs> but it's like, he's like, it's, it's most of them it's actually. Most of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I would say it's like 85%. I would say are like super awesome clients. I mean, they're all like, that's the thing is like, I've been lucky enough to get clients and somehow I know, like, as I was talking, like with you in that initial email, you know, whether in those introductions, whether you know if you're going to jive or not. Yeah. I think that's how I'm able to filter them. And then, uh, cause those people, whoever they are, they act a certain way and we talk a certain way and they, um, to where I know it's going to be pretty open. They're going to let me run with it. They're not going to be like, um, they're not going to really ding me on every round and like, so it's not you know that you're I mean? not, it's not that the other clients aren't coming along. The ones that aren't the dream clients. Yeah. It's not that they aren't coming across your path. It's that you're it's like I'm filtering them. intentionally <laughs> and not engaging them. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Did you always do that from no, the get go or no. go or it kind of. No, it, 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 uh, me paying attention to the cues, the red flags. I developed that over the years. Um, but in the beginning that was not the case. It's interesting how that happens, doesn't it? Yeah. Because I'm in the same boat, man. It's just like you get to where like an email comes through and you see somebody and you're like, oh, no. Nah. Yeah. You know immediately. Not, not worth it. Like it's not just, it time. could be just like four or five words in a certain way. You're like, nope. Yeah. And, and <laughs> used to where there was the feeling of, uh, well, I just, I got to take this. I need, yeah. And you're like, no, nah, dude, it is not worth it, man. Yeah. It's true. It's true. It's going to take my time from when I, the other one comes along. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's filling the hole of the headache is going to fill the hole of the, yeah other possibilities that would have flowed in. Like there's a, I'm trying to figure out if I should even say this because I don't know who I don't know who's going to listen. <laughs> so like uh, so I have a, a there's a there's a client a new client that come in and they um hmm <laughs> no they like they're like saying like uh, hey I, I have this new project for you and it's a custom bottle which is always like. It's my number one, like that it's rare to get a custom ball because they're expensive, time consuming. But when you get it, you get to design it. And it's like it stands apart from everything else. Yeah. And it's like because a lot of people work with stock bottles. Um, so it's like it's a custom bottle. It's a custom label. It's everything you want. Um, we want to book it for um, next year. But I know based on these emails that I shouldn't take it. And it's good in terms of like money and like but but I I think I'm definitely going to avoid it because it's, I know it's going to be a problem. So you just got to know it's hard. You just got to, you got to suffer the slings and arrows until you figure out how, how to filter, which yeah. you can't really advise on it. Just something you got to figure out. And what point, how far, like where you're at right now, how long has it been since you would say that you were more like you started pursuing a freelance career? Uh, so, so what do you mean? Like, like how, from, from like, how long has it been since to now, since you started pursuing a freelance career series of like, okay, I'm going to do a freelance. Oh, it's been since the studio has been open for six years, six. Okay. Yeah, six yeah. years. So it's been open for six years. I haven't done an, so when I think freelance, I think you do work for other agencies and other creative entities or companies. Uh -huh. I don't do work for other creative entities or companies. 
So I don't, uh, so I, I, I guess it's just, uh, so I only, cause I, I like to work with the clients directly. Mm-hmm. So I stopped doing actual freelance probably like six months to a year after I, um, went out on my own. Okay. And then after that year I was like, okay, I'm only going to work with clients directly now. And then, so then I've been doing that for six years or something, four, maybe five, five years. So in your mind, you actually don't see, there's a separation to, to you. Freelancing would be more of like working as an extension of like another company or like exactly. an agency. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is that not, I, I think that's I right, mean, it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, it, People I mean, you can look at it different ways because, yeah, like, because, and, and, and really I think it's just different language that gets used to talk about it yeah. because the way I would look at it, like if I was like for you, like, mm-hmm. cause in my mind, what I think is like, yeah, you freelance, but you freelance as the designer for the company that you're designing for. Yeah. But it's not a design studio. It's a person. It's a right or whatever. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't know. It's all I've gotten like, dinged for that before. Like, they're like, oh, so you freelance? I'm like, no, well, I don't technically freelance. I'm like, yeah. you know, like, oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so. I just, it's funny because it's kind of, I think it's a term that means, that can mean different things to different people yeah. a little bit. Yeah. It could just mean independent party. Yeah. You and know, it's kind of like, like, you're a solo entity. You do work I for think of, Yeah. I think of, I think what I've come to when I start, when I think of like freelancing is like more or less like sole proprietor, one person yeah, pretty much doing it all. Right. Maybe they hire another freelancer to do their taxes. Sure. But that person's not on their payroll. Right. They're not like. Yeah. Just like contract work. Yeah, yeah. It's like one-offs here and there mm-hmm. kind of whenever you have decided to work with a client mm-hmm. and it's time to move forward with the process of like payments and agreements, contracts, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. How do you handle that stuff? It's not really the fun part, you know. Um, it took me a while to figure it out. Uh, I'm still I like learn shit like daily with when it comes to the how to run a business. Finally got like a grasp on it, but um, that's definitely not stuff they go over in school. No, man. Um, you know, it, it's I, I still think I should probably go to like take some community college classes just to like learn taxes better and things like that because I have a CPA that like does it. Um, which has been really helpful. Um, it's just, it's, I, I just learned along the way, like for, for instance, I'm an LLC, so I'm not a sole proprietorship under government law. Um, so if anything happens to me, I don't know, I get slapped with something like somebody decides to sue me. They're suing the business and they're not suing me. Um, I also pay myself as an employee. Like I'm set up like that better on taxes. It's like, it's just, you like learn stuff a lot along the way. Um, that they don't teach you anywhere unless you were to actually like set out to like find a class, take it. Yeah. It's funny. I say, no, they don't teach you that in school and they, but they could, <laughs> they could, but then there's part of me that's like, well, yeah, if you went for an accounting degree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they teach a, you that two different ends of the spectrum. Though. Maybe I'm <laughs> expecting a freelance degree and it's not that. Yeah. They mm. should roll all that shit in though. If they like, they should have a freelance class in college be like, Hey, you, what's you your think- major? Um, freelance major. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. That's what I want to be. Learn freelance. how to be a freelancer. You know, I have to know a lot of stuff, man. I do it um, all. I pay my taxes quarterly and that's always a gut punch, you know? Um, and then, uh, it's just like how much to write off, how much not to write off. I mean, if I want to buy a house, I got to not write off that much because I got to show that I make money. You uh-huh. know what I mean? So it's all like a game. Um, but I pay my taxes. So <laughs> pay them every year. Um, He's like, believe me. Believe I, me 
It's always the worst. My account bleeds four times uh, a year. Yeah, it's pretty awful. Um, but yeah, I tell people how much I pay in taxes. They're like, what? Are you doing it wrong? And I'm always double checking. Like uh, my CPA hates me because I'm always like, I want to know. Like I want to know why something is works the way it works. So I'll go and I'll walk, every year I'll walk through my taxes with them like page by page. I'm like, well, why is this? And why did you deduct this? But this was different last year. And so you got to like um, educate yourself. I guess. You know, like, do, you, do you think you'll just start doing your own tax stuff eventually? No, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. No, no. Like, I don't mm-hmm, have the time. I don't I don't wanna, no. I mean, so do you have do you have a lawyer too then that you have around for contracts or agreements no, or anything like um, that? I have pieced my contract together over the years. Um, there, I got lucky enough to where I got a hold of copies of contracts at different agencies I worked at. Okay. So I know I I know what's supposed to be in there now, and I I know, I've amended it over the years based on certain situations. Um, like for instance, my my contracts say I own everything. I own all intellectual property, um, which I'm not going to do anything with. Like you know, like but I I own it. Um, so if you decide to like uh, I don't know, I give you a logo and you decide to put it out into the world, and put a dick on the front of it, like. I, I can technically do something about that, um, but, but to a certain degree, I also don't care. It's just more of a comfort thing. Yeah. Um, but I've had clients come to me and be like, oh, I caught that. Um, and it's not like a sly thing. It's just like most people set their contracts up that way where you own intellectual property of the work you create. But some clients say, hey, we want to own everything outright. And I'll be like, okay, I don't care. I'll just amend it. So, um, yeah, my contracts are, I have a couple different ones for different situations and they all have a lot of mandatory, you know, fine line, fine line. Yeah. Fine line print. Yeah. So, um, it just took a while to figure this stuff out, but yeah. So, I mean, you can really write your own language as long as they, it doesn't have to sound like a lawyer wrote it. Right. You just have to like, you know, have to say it in a nice way. That's clear. Uh, if you want to put something in there to make sure that your ass is covered. Um, and then as long as they sign it, you're good. I mean, if anything happens, you guys go to court, not with you and your client, like your somebody sues your client and you have to go to you have to go to bat for your client. Oh, okay. Um, it's in there, you know, whatever it may be. Never had it happen, knock on wood, so no no legal trouble. Yeah, dude, I don't ugh. That's why uh I thankfully I've not had to deal with any of that stuff. Uh I mean, I don't I think I've maybe had once where I had to go back to a contract about something or like, hey, this is what we agreed on. Yeah. For the most part I don't. Yeah, and, and that's never a fun like, thing to do either. Like to start talking about the contract is yeah. like then you're in like a you can't solve it by the time you're talking about a contract. You're like, oh shit, we're like in we're talking about the contract. Hey man, <laughs> you you agreed to this. Yeah. You said yeah. you would pay me or what you know, I don't know. Whatever it is. I love them for like it says like package design, three rounds of revisions. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it makes shit clear. That, so like if they're coming to you, you're like, oh, we're on our fourth round. Well then remember, we you have to pay for this fourth round. Like it doesn't just keep going forever. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it, I, I, I learned that pretty early on mm-hmm. to start doing that kind of stuff and putting that in yeah. there. And I don't think I've ever had any clients go beyond. Yeah. Since I put that in yeah. and used to, I would. Right. I mean, I think that back then, maybe there's a, there's, there might be some times where I do like a bunch of rounds, but it's typically if, if I'm working with an agency. Oh, okay. Because then it's like creative director looks over it. Hey, can we tweak this? Hey, it's can we true. tweak this? Hey, can we tweak this? Okay. Now we're going to send it yeah. over to the client. And it's, it's just the kind of the clients that want those rounds of revisions. Cause they are, 
pleasing like a, a board or like 30 yeah. people and their creative team or something. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, dude, what else, what else have, uh, do you, do you think we got to talk about it? Oh shit. I, know, should know that, <laughs> I mean, is there anything that we, I haven't hit on or asked you about that you're like, man, this is something that I wish I would have known or that I think maybe you particularly think from your story is helpful for people to hear about. You know, um, I, I, I don't know. Um, I feel like we covered a lot. Uh, I mean, hmm. no, there's nothing I can think of that comes to mind. I mean, the self-promotion. Stuff, oh, oh, sure. I know. Yeah. You, you talked about pitching. Yeah. And presentations and stuff. Yeah. Can you, that's something that's always kind of eluded me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Even. I've never been great at Yeah. How do you do it? And what's kind of your headspace you go into for that stuff yeah absolutely uh i think um what separates the way i do it from like so i'm sure you're fully aware like a lot of uh larger places even mid-size when they do a presentation it is long and there are a lot of pages and it's exhausting to a certain degree like i've seen presentations from i'm not knocking this because there's probably a reason for it but uh, they're they outline like oh this is our target market this is where our target uh, market eats you know, most days, this is what our target market and they're in, it's just very long and drawn out. So mine is a uh, very concise. It's like three pages. It's just, um, title, uh, second page is, Hey, these are the key words that we were after that we're after with this third page is like an overarching, like scope of like, this is the design. This is what it means. This is why I did it. And then the rest is visuals. So on the phone, I'll talk through every little detail from the top of the bottle down and why I did the way I did. Um, and that it's always, that's, that's the thing is like, that's what I was never able to do is talk through my work when I worked at other agencies and I was just a designer behind a desk and all I did was design and go home is, uh, talk through my work and tell people why I did that. Because if you tell people what something means, they'll be, they'll be like, Oh, I love that, that it means that. Oh, so you're. So your like pitch or presentation is more after you've designed it, whenever you're showing them the work. Yeah. Not, Hey, here it is. No, I never send, I never send a design and say, Hey, here's the design. Um, let me know, uh, what you think. Uh, it's, I, I present the design to them and I've learned actually as of like this year to, I, I let them know ahead of time, Hey, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to give me any feedback, um, over the phone. I just want to walk you through the design and then you can sit with it and then get back to me. I just want you to tell you why I did certain things and what certain things means. And, you know, so, you know, sometimes it's the shape of the label, like it it references something in their brand story or whatever it may be, or the colors I used or why the type is the way it is. Or, and then there's also uh, a competitive lineup that happens at the end. So I'll show that design with a, you know, a 2d render of their, the bottle we've selected against what else is out there in the market, the biggest players. So if it's a gin, you know, I'll put it aside Hendrix and uh, Ramshambeau and Bombay. And I'll, you know, I'll say, hey, this is why we did it this way. And this is why it's going to succeed, hopefully, because it fills this giant gap and no one else is doing this. And it hits on different notes, you know, um, and that's it. Uh, and then uh, they come back to me and they tell me their thoughts, you know. So uh, presentations are really short and sweet. That's cool. Yeah. Is there ever any kind of like pitch or presentation stuff that you do on the front? Do you ever need to do on the front end of stuff? I guess I yeah. get all. I mean, what's that like? Especially because I guess it would kind of vary. It would be different if you were 
going and trying to pitch clients and get work versus it yeah. coming to you. Yes. You kind of already have this. Right. They've already paid for leg it. Leg up more yeah. or less if they're coming to you saying, hey, we want you to do this. Right. Um, well, I mean, I have never done, I don't really, I won't do any work unless I'm paid for it. Um, so they're, once they're, they're in, if I'm presenting them with something, but I do before design, I print, I present them with, which what most agencies do is a mood board. So it's like, Hey, I've, you've answered all my questions through email. We've talked, I have a good idea about what the project is about, about what you're looking for. Um, so here's a mood board and this comes like three weeks, four weeks before the actual design. Uh, here's my strategy. Um, and here are the, you know, the keywords, you know, and then here's some boards of inspiration and I'll walk them through like different things I've pulled. But 90% of the time there's not other, there's no other like package design in there. It's not like, Hey, here's a bottle that I liked. I want to, we would do something like this. It's more like material and like older references, like vintage ephemera shit. Um, or maybe like some modern type or statues or whatever it may be. And then I'll walk them through each image and be like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is, you know, kind of the direction that I want to go and the attitude I want to, they're like, yeah, we love everything. We like the look of everything. We like your, what you're saying to us. Um, sometimes that does change though. So it's a bit of a, cause you can't be like, this is the world I'm living in. And then while you're exploring the design, it, you might leave it a little bit. Uh -huh. You might realize, Oh, this is a little better. Um, but that's never dinged me. I don't think, uh, is, um, pitching something that kind of straight away a little bit from the mood board. I've had a few times where clients are like, well, it doesn't really meet the mood board that we approved. And I'll go back and redo it a little bit to kind of push it towards the mood board. Um, but uh, yeah, um, most time it works out. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks so much for saying. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, where can people find your work online? Yeah. Maybe uh, solicit. Sure. Uh, it's Your services right <laughs> right now. It's Chad Michael, which yeah, I just, I never liked using my name. It's a long thing. I don't like my name, but I chose to use it. And now I can't get away from it. <laughs> um, anyways, it's Chad Michael studio across the board. Okay. Everywhere. Um, if you just Google Chad Michael, you get a lot of Chad Michael Murray. If you Google Chad Michaels with an S, you'll get like the top drag queen in the U S. So, um, <laughs> And that's <laughs> you got, not you, right? It's not me. It's not, okay. Uh, you got to Google Chad Michael Studio or Design or find me on Instagram, Behance or whatever. Or you go on my website, chadmichaelstudio.com. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. We'll yeah. put links to all that stuff in the show notes. Thanks, brother. Yeah, check those out at vacacy.com slash freelance Friday. And uh, if you would, uh, if, if you have found this episode particularly helpful or any other, um, would you please write me and let me know that? And you can either do that through email or on social media. Or the best way, and honestly, the preferable way for me is through ratings and reviews, because it does help to, for other people to see that kind of feedback. But also, um, if you don't like something, tell me that. If you really hate the show, you can go leave a low rating. Or hate like, the that's guest. fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. That Chad Michael guy, <laughs> like, he really. <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> just want to hear from you and just want honest feedback. That's what we want. An honest show. It's all really ultimately for the freelancers and for you all. Hopefully you learned some stuff out of it. Thanks so much. We'll be with you next time. Freelance Freddy is a Vacacy production. Vacacy is a freelance content creator based in the United States and available worldwide. Vacacy, big production value, freelance agility and scale.